Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Wild Wild Podcast. My name is Adrian Smith and I am here with my co-host Rod Barnett. How are you Rod? I am doing pretty well. Good, we were just talking and uh, as in the time of recording it's coming up to the end of June and so the, um, the film company or the DVD company Severin in America have been making all kinds of exciting Italian announcements uh, which are things that they're going to be releasing for their sale next week yes. and um, I thought perhaps we could start because some of them have relevance to our podcast well perhaps they all really have relevance to our podcast <laughs> um, but the, the major announcement that they just made this week was Blood for Dracula mm-hmm. which they're releasing in a UHD which is a format I have yet to upgrade to and perhaps never will um, although I said that about Blu-ray so who knows but uh, but yeah, Blood for Dracula. What do you think about that finally getting a release? Well, I'm I'm pretty darned excited, mainly because um, th- those are such th- that pairing of films, Blood of Dracula and Flesh for Frankenstein, often known as the you know, Andy Warhol, you know, blank and blank. I don't I don't really I, I I'm not the biggest fans of them, but they do hold a special place in my heart. I think they're kind of fascinating. Mm. The uh, my my history with them is uh, is spotty. Uh, but my enthusiasm for them coming out on, on well, at least on Blu-ray, I, I also have not upgraded and see no, see no, uh, see no future in which I do upgrade to that anytime no. soon, simply because this, this, you know, I'm happy with the Blu-ray format and they, they followed too quickly with a new upgrade format and I'm just, a, I'm still yeah. a little leery of it, so. And I, I think I would need some kind of laser eye surgery before I could start to tell the difference anyway. Yes. Because. I completely agree because there's, <laughs> it, it, there. I mean, there does become a point until until they can project the image and the sound directly into my eyeball and ears. I'm not really sure that I need it to be any sharper or clearer. Or, and mm-hmm. this is the important part, people, that I need to pay for you to do it again. So, yeah. I'm very excited about uh, the stuff that Severus putting out. The blood for blood for Dracula. It's been so long since I've watched those two films. I can't remember if I like Blood for Dracula or Flesh for Frankenstein more. Uh, I have to admit, I've never seen Flesh for Frankenstein. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, but I mean, those films, I've seen Blood for Dracula, but that was such a long time ago. That was when it was on VHS, I think. Um, And so the... um, this announcement that they've made because the films have been commercially unavailable for years mm-hmm. and the story has always been something to do with its actual director uh which is paul morrissey wasn't it one of one of andy warhol's directors yes yes i don't i don't think andy warhol ever went to italy or went anywhere near these films no but, he apparently um, just they, they just slapped his name on them for, for yeah. publicity's sake i think so there seems to have been some kind of um rights issue for decades 
which somehow, I mean, I'll be interested to hear the story eventually of how they've navigated that. So yeah, so Severin have announced that they're doing uh, Blood for Dracula. I'm assuming that there's a Blu-ray in the package, but you have to just buy the full thing Yeah. if you want to get the Blu-ray, which is yeah, a shame for those of us who don't want the extra thing. But, <laughs> but also um, they've hinted very heavily that, that um, Vinegar Syndrome are going to do a 3D release of Flesh for Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. So that is also going to happen this year. So these films have been high on cult film fans lists for many years and now we're getting both of them potentially both this year on blu-ray and uh, and uhd so exciting times but the i'm not going to be buying them this time around i don't think i have seen hints on facebook that there's a uk company who has also got the rights oh. so maybe they'll maybe there'll be a release over here that'll be slightly more affordable <laughs> uh, for me but the severin releases that i was quite excited about um that they've been teasing these announcements is they've got a post-apocalyptic bundle of goodies that they're putting yes. out um which has been fun because obviously just recently uh, there's a french company who've done a book uh that there's now being they're called pulse editions and they've translated this book into english and it was on kickstarter so i'd already i was already um kickstarting that one but then obviously they've been speaking to severin because now Severin are putting out this book with some Blu-rays of very uh, exciting films if you if you like this kind of stuff. So they've announced Raiders of Atlantis, Ruggiero Diodato's film. They've also announced, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Warriors, and, of, Warriors of the Year 2072. Yes, the Lucio Fulci. Mm -hmm. And also Endgame from Joe D'Amato. So right. three, three previously unavailable on blu-ray anyway um post-nuclear uh what, what i'm calling past apocalypse pastor apocalypse <laughs> past apocalypse yeah. past apocalypse uh films and i i'd already scheduled in for us a season of italian uh post-apocalyptic films so this is very good timing for us so yeah so exciting if you're if you're a fan of these kinds of movies then now is the time to start selling things from around <laughs> your house so that you've got enough money to buy this stuff plasma but, uh, whatever you have laying around yes that's not not yeah. of any long-term use yeah. you might want to go ahead and get get that money stacked up yeah that's right yeah just anything children whatever you've got just oh if you've got some spare children to sell yeah 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 so i'll get all off but anyway so we will come back to that i'm sure when we get to our post nuke season We'll talk about those. I'm very excited to uh, to get hold of those. But we are still in our season here, Italiano nello spazio, and so this is episode three of that season. And our film today, very excited to bring this film to the podcast, is called Zero Zero Due Operazione Luna, also known as 002 Operation Moon. And Rod, would you like to tell the listeners who directed this classic Italian comedy? Uh, yes, this this comedy was directed by uh, the Godfather of Gore, Lucio Fulci, <laughs> which yes. uh, may may surprise a number of his fans who don't seem to know very much about his career. But yes, in the uh, early '60s, he was known for making a lot of comedies. Yeah, so in so the book that I'm using as our reference for today is Stephen Thrower's Beyond Terror, the films of Lucio Fulci. And it's funny that the first kind of hundred pages or so are taken up with comedy films. Yep. Because like you said, that is a part of um, Fulci's career that many horror fans, I mean, myself included, were not particularly aware of uh, until you pick up a copy of this book. Um so you so perhaps some readers would just skip over all these ones and get straight to the uh, the better known movies later on in the book but yeah there's um he so this film stars a comedy duo now I, you can't see this because this is audio but perhaps we should be using air quotes whenever we say comedy <laughs> um but a very famous pair of uh, italian comedy performers known as franco and ciccio uh, that's Franco Francini and Ciccio Ingrassia. 
who were they're actually Sicilian comedians and they made I mean this is the only film I've ever seen of theirs but they made about a hundred films so they were yeah. massively successful for from the 60s right through to the 1980s apart from a brief period where they fell out with each other but then got back together again so they made a lot of films and Lucio Fulci I believe directed 13 films with um, Franco and Ciccio so they were clearly they clearly had a huge um, impact on Italian audiences at that time and they were just churning them out very very quickly and I, th I think we can probably both agree quite cheaply um, oh most assuredly yeah and, <laughs> and the, the, if this film is uh gives us any evidence of that then uh, or at least at the budget levels yeah this is true of course if it uh, you, you say this is the only one of their films that you've seen right yes and well, possibly only one i will ever see <laughs> well i have uh i have in the past struggled through a couple of others that they were oh. involved with uh one of them because of course it was directed by mario bava Oh, well, of course, yes. Uh, which, um, the which, girl, the girl bombs. Yeah, Doctor, exactly. Doctor Goldfoot right. and the girl bombs, which you know. That's another one that I've had in my collection for years. Yes, yes. Dial, watched. dial your expectations extraordinarily low. I, I, it does yeah. not matter that it is the only film that uh, Mario Bava made with Vincent Price. It is a stinker. Uh, yeah, I mean, they obviously there's sort of interesting production problems around that film and. And I believe there were there was an Italian edit which highlighted the comedy mm -hmm. much more. And then there's the more famous AIP edit, which is the one that we have now, um, which highlights Vincent Price's involvement more and sidelines those two a bit, I believe. But again, I, this is just from what I've read because I've never actually seen it. But also, didn't they lose the, um, the, the, the soundtrack that they'd recorded live on set because there was a lot of improvisation going on? And then somehow they lost the recordings, so they had to rewrite the whole thing in post. You know, I'm, and... I'm not sure that is all possible. <laughs> Something like the, that. The, the, the experience of watching the film was painful enough without trying to learn more mm. about it, and right. I'm sure that one day I will. Uh, much as yes. I did with this film, where it became a right. where it became a necessity. But I've I've mm. also suffered through one other of their uh, comedy pictures. Um, I, I I don't remember exactly why but idea years and years ago i just i possibly out of curiosity but also possibly out of, of a masochistic desire to hurt myself i don't know i mean what's interesting with them is they they seem to have worked across many different genres and and obviously you know as we know italy loved doing lots of different genres whatever was popular at the time and so you can look at their films and so just a year before this one for example they did another 002 film Zero zero due agenti segretissimi, or which is basically uh, no, two secret agents. I think it was also called, um, and it's a Euro spy kind of thing. They also did war films. Obviously, this one is the sci-fi one. So they were just really working across whatever they could uh, think of a quick story, and then maybe piggyback on existing sets. At, uh, at Chinachita or wherever it was they were filming. Yeah, well, um, the, the the best analog that I've heard for describing them to uh, an audience of people who do not know their comedy or do not know their personas is that they were kind of an Italian version of uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Ah, um, uh, yes. And uh, if, you, if, you've, uh, if you've ever seen the interactions and the way th th those two played off of each other in, uh, in their films together... You'll get a sense of what they were going for here with these with these with this comic pairing. It's kind of the same kind of the same thing really, uh, but only uh, more so and kind of amped up in a way that uh, makes it you know patently unbelievable that two human beings would interact with each other this way if there wasn't a camera pointed at them. Yeah, uh, but the so if you, yeah, because Franco he's like the Jerry Lewis mm -hmm. role. And uh, and Chicho is the kind of straight man, right? Although he he does get plenty of opportunities to mug to camera as well. But I thought, I mean, what they actually reminded me of, rather than uh, than yeah, than Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, was more the um, those guys from Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn Gorilla.
ripoffs of some ripoffs. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's very got a very expressive face, Franco, and he's always and he's quite screechy, which mm. you get a lot. I mean, I being not being you know being not an American, um, I didn't grow up watching Jerry Lewis movies in quite the same way. I think as perhaps people did in America. So even Jerry Lewis leaves me cold. Oh, I can understand um, that. I, I really so, can, yeah. Yeah. So to see somebody doing that shtick, which in itself wasn't funny to me in the first place, is a little bit hard work. However, I will say this film did make me laugh a few times, so I don't want to just I, completely... I, I'm going to agree with you, which is yeah. may, may be a shock considering how we've started this discussion. <laughs> but yeah, there were a couple yeah. laughs in this movie for me, Alan. Yeah. So maybe let's uh, let's dive straight to the plot. Uh, I've got a relatively short plot synopsis. I mean, the story is pretty thin, so uh, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Remember, folks, these movies were being pumped out constantly by this team, and the whole idea was just to parody something else. There, there's very you know, basically it's they 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 take something that's um, well known by the public, and then use the the basic outline of either an actual movie that they're just you know playing with directly or kind of a genre and they just use it as a clothesline to hang whatever insane crap they can until they get to about 80 minutes and then they call it a day yeah yeah definitely and this one is uh playing on the space race which was obviously very much in the public consciousness Mm -hmm. in the 1960s and we've already um touched a bit on that on on our previous episodes but rather than rather than any kind of rivalry as such this is pretty much just focused specifically on the Soviet space um, agency, whatever they were called, I can't even remember. But we see the film begins with us watching these two cosmonauts who bear striking resemblance to our heroes, mm-hmm. and um, and that's so right from the beginning it is set up that there are two cosmonauts who look like Franco and Chicho, but they're not Franco and Chicho; they are Russian. Uh, and they're going into space, and this is where the story starts. So it's all about it's all about the Russian space mission, which which our hapless heroes get uh, end up getting involved in. So when Russian cosmonauts Colonel Paradovsky and Major Borovin go missing in space because they they sort of lose contact with the the ground control, lose contact with their craft, and um, the Kremlin refuses to concede that they've been lost. They don't want to lose face to the Americans. So and this plan seems really doomed to failure right from the start. So well, their well, idea... Well, I do love that they are... I mean, this is this is, this is is a good beginning for a comedy. Let's let's give the movie its due. It's not, yeah. as if, it's not as if they're not thinking through some of the ideas that they're kind of employing here. Because what, what, what you have here is a, a situation in which almost... Everyone around the world in the mid-60s would have been well aware of the Russian desire to not appear to be complete buffoons in the space race. And the fact that they, uh, well, had a tendency to uh, get out over their skis as far as the capabilities of the of the Russian space uh, command. Uh, they, mm. they, they, would, they, they, would get, they would get out there and then there would be, uh, shall we say, accidents, deaths, and horrible, horrible things would happen. So the fact that this movie plays on the public knowledge of the the Russians' willingness to uh, sweep complete disasters and death under the rug as quickly as possible and pretend they never happened is al- already kind of a... It's, it's a good kickoff to this kind of story, I have to admit. Yeah, so what you've said there actually just reminds me, I mean, and perhaps this, is, perhaps this film is more accurate um, than we might admit... So there was a story about these two Italians known as the Judica Cordelia brothers, and uh, or was it Judicia, Judicia Cordelia? I don't know. I should really get better <laughs> at my pronunciation. Anyway, so there were these two brothers who were amateur radio operators or radio hams, and they um, claimed to have recordings. They they somehow managed to tune in to radio frequencies. Uh, that they were picking up from the Soviet space program and that they were recording astronauts from space mm-hmm. and that they had recordings of space missions that had ended in tragedy, oh like my, people really? dying 
yeah they, they they'd got these recordings of people being sent into space burning up dying and obviously the the claim is that yuri gagarin was the first man into space but according to the uh these brothers he was basically just the first one who managed to not die and came back and that actually the soviets had been experimenting for a long time and sending people up into space and they'd been dying yeah. and uh That's and cool. not and not coming back and so and obviously this is all kind of put down by some as conspiracy theories but um they've got these recordings of people suffocating in space and people disappearing off into space getting further and further away from the earth they've got recordings of people burning up coming back into the earth's atmosphere so yeah it's a really fascinating story um that i read about horrifying to be honest yeah it's amazing so i I remember reading about this years ago and it's always struck me as being quite an important story if it's true but of course there are there are various people who claim that it's it's not true at all but anyway so the idea that yes so the russians have lost these guys in space at the beginning of his film and that it's uh this is an italian film and also this is in 1965 and the story of the uh, cordelia brothers really came out in the mid 1960s it'd be nice to think that maybe the script writers had picked up on this story and um I don't know. Maybe we're crediting them with more than they deserve, but maybe, <laughs> perhaps, maybe, but maybe not. I mean, like, I, like yeah, I say, it's. Perhaps. I mean, th- there's a specific joke in this film that points to them definitely wanting to tweak the nose of the Russian space mm. administration uh, about yeah. the 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 deaths that take take that took place as part of the Russian space shots. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, but that's actually that's really that makes the film more interesting than it might otherwise be. That's quite interesting. Anyway, so. They, because they've lost these guys, they decide what they're going to do instead is search for some lookalikes who can be launched in a replica rocket. And then when they return, they can be passed off as the missing cosmonauts. So this is assuming that for every cosmonaut you have in your collection, there is somebody else out there in the world who looks just like them and that you're <laughs> going to be able to find them within the next couple of days. Like there's a kind of big lot of ifs in uh, in this thing here but that doesn't what, seem what, to stop what kills them. me is that i can easily have imagined that if 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 you just cast your mind back if this had been a universal production in say the early 50s involving abbott and costello i probably would already be re-watching this for the third time <laughs> <laughs> yes this could be this is a, so yeah this could be a very similar kind of plot to what they might might what they might end up with so meanwhile in italy franco and ciccio these guys from sicily and apparently in most of the a lot of their films they're portrayed as thieves Mm -hmm. so we see that we're introduced to these guys because they're breaking into this um it's either a shop or a storage locker or something and there's a whole thing of them breaking in and stealing stuff and lots of sight gags um and then this this is going to give you a feeling of whether or not uh, this comedy duo is for you or not uh this 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 sequence this is where i get that this is where i immediately got the the perfect example i think of of exactly how your generalized viewer who's not aware of this comedy duo's history is going to react to them because i think there's some stuff while they're breaking in that's pretty funny uh, there's mm. some amusing little bits and pieces where you're looking at a couple of guys who've worked together as a comedy duo for a long time at this point, for years, and they know how to play off of each other with little bits of business. Um, but then I think once it goes into the kind of more generalized, ridiculous, over-the-top slapstick, once they're inside, is when it, is when it starts to turn into that thing where oh oh okay this is the this is gonna this is the tone of this thing I, I get it we're not we're not really shooting for. For something that uh, we're not shooting for middle brow, we're definitely shooting for for lower brow. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and so they whilst um, whilst they're inside, uh, some other thieves come along outside and steal their van, mm-hmm. and so then they come out and they start cursing how you can't trust anybody these days and so on. <laughs> which then, which then, is actually some of the some of the stuff they say at that point, some of the dialogue at that point is actually really funny. Yeah, because after like going on about how terrible it is, their solution is to go and steal another van. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but they leave all their stolen goods, and then they go and get this van, and then they come back, and all their other stuff has been nicked. So they've lost their van, and they've lost all the stolen goods, and then they get caught by a security guard, 
and uh, and that's it then they're arrested and their their photos end up on the front page of the newspaper which is a very helpful way to let the russians know that you look exactly like their missing cosmonauts and it also seems uh pretty interesting that two two petty thieves would end up mm-hmm. with their faces plastered on the front page of italian newspapers but hey yeah hey it's a comedy let's roll with it i know so they get spotted by the russians who seem to be running their spy ring out of a it's like a i don't want to it like a health spa or something <laughs> yes. uh, is is the front for where they've got their offices um so they then they spring these guys from prison by pretending to be transferring them somewhere and they take them back to their to their base which is in rome so they've got this secret operation in rome uh in this female health spa run by comrade lemidova aka madam reno so they've got uh, there's a sort of slightly fearsome woman in charge Mm -hmm. and um at that point they get put into um like a what is it some kind of air pressure chamber for testing to see if they they'll be able to cope with the uh, atmospheric pressures of space right and we, we get some rudimentary special effects using special lenses on the camera to make them look fat and thin and all of that kind of stuff it's, it's pretty it gets the joke dies very quickly but they keep <laughs> it going for what feels like 10 minutes yes it goes on for an extraordinarily long period of time <laughs> so then they manage to escape by disguising themselves as women um and then we get a whole hilarious uh section when franco is believed to be too masculine for a woman and so they start injecting him with hormones to try and turn him into it was like female hormones mm-hmm. and there's a whole extended sequence where he's being chased around and constantly being jabbed with syringes full of these hormones including by chicho he's also chasing him with one of the syringes um i mean this all feels to me it would this kind of sequence would have fitted very well in a carry-on film oh yeah this that's is true kind of carry-on level humor that, that we would have had in the mid-60s yeah it's the uh, running it? around the kind of uh completely unserious chase uh it's the uh high the high slash low stakes combined at the same you know at the same yeah. time it's it's ridiculous uh in any way shape or form but at the same time it's it can be played out for as long as you want to to fill as much screen time as you need yeah. so. <laughs> there's one moment when um franco runs into this room and closes the door behind him and then he he sort of breathes a sigh of relief as he leans against the door. Meanwhile, one of these women is on the other side of the door and she stabs him in the bum through the keyhole with the uh, with the syringe. And I thought that was very much a carry on joke. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a cartoon um, sequence. I mean, the, yeah. and, and we should we should stress that, you know, for the most part, these two characters, Franco and Chicho, they're they're essentially cartoons running around pretending to be human beings. Let's be blunt. These are yes. not. There's nothing to be taken seriously here, and in, in that spirit, like I say, there's there can there is some fun to be had, but I'm yeah. not I'm not sure that uh, every sequence in this film works effectively for an audience <laughs> that isn't uh, I don't know drunk or eight years old. Take a pick. <laughs> so yes, or Italian. I think if you were Italian, you'd perhaps find it more. Uh, yeah. More yeah. These these things, I, Italian comedies, at least my experience with them uh, across the uh, the ones I've seen from the sixties, seventies, and eighties, they don't travel well. No. Uh, they're, they're, they they don't uh, they seem to be very much tied to not just their time but their place. There seems to be a uh, uh, an almost imperceptible thing that these movies were aiming for that specifically nails them to a time and place that we just we can't really we can't really enjoy uh, we really can't um put mm. ourselves in those pl- in the in those shoes or, or, sit th- or sit ourselves in those cinemas really and and have the uh, the kind of experience that quite obviously huge numbers of people were having i mean these guys made more than a hundred movies i mean they were insanely popular and made boatloads of money for anybody making movies with them and it's just one of those things where yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it, it's a puzzlement. It's it's the same way that I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, feel about a lot of comedy even today. 
where I still to this day cannot figure out Adam, Adam Sandler's appeal. But apparently, <laughs> apparently millions upon millions of people, possibly billions as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. think that he's just the funniest thing since somebody got kicked in the groin. And yes. uh, the the fact that, com- you know, comedy is the most, this is part of a larger conversation. So po- I, I shall now portion off a section of this conversation okay. right here for everyone really quickly. And I apologize to Adrian. Remember okay. that comedy... <laughs> is the most difficult genre to recommend to another person. It is such a it, 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 it's 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 difficult because what you find funny someone else may not. And in some cases it all has to do with the circumstances under which you first see a joke or first see a bit of comedy. The mood you were in, the 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 structures uh, around which you came to view it in the first place. There are so many things that make something funny or not funny to you. And the fact that comedy from Italy isn't funny to an American or necessarily someone from the United Kingdom is not that mm-hmm. much of a shock. In much the same way that I'm utterly surprised when I'm talking to someone from, say, Japan who finds uh, some American comedies very funny, I'm actually surprised that they do. Uh, because my experience, you know, flipping flipping things around is very different. And usually when that happens, it is because those, uh, those comedies were seen by this person from another culture at a very young age. In other words, they got them when their sensibilities and their, their idea of what is funny and isn't were still developing to a large degree. And so... Mm-hmm. These movies, if you come to them as an adult, like, you know, the two of us are, um, the, 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 the laughs are few and far between. Um, mm-hmm. They're much more interesting, I think, at least to me, as a cultural artifact than as something to make me laugh. And so I will now, you know, step away from my longer treatise on the subjective, <laughs> the subjective qualities of comedy <laughs> and mm-hmm. step back. No, from... you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, comedy is very... And a particularly sort of culturally specific comedy. I mean, there's a lot of jokes in this film about the fact that these guys are Sicilian and they they're saying the words wrong because they're in Rome now. Right. And there are there is there are sort of very subtle cultural differences between Romans and Sicilians that for us, obviously, just watching this with subtitles on, are completely not going to get. But but some of the humour is coming from the fact that they're like fish out of water, right? Because they're Sicilian, but they're in they're in the big city, and yeah, there's stuff that we just don't get, as well as obviously the more broader stuff. Um, but yeah, it's funny, like you were saying, like for example, Mr. Bean is huge in China. I teach Chinese students, and they all love Mr. Bean. See, I can um, understand that though, because Mr. Bean is such an it's such an English thing that you don't think of that kind of stuff traveling. Oh, uh, the reason I think it could travel very easily is because Mr. Bean primarily respond, primarily uh, is predicated on uh, uh, visual, in other words, non-linguistic mm. humor. It's it's all yeah. built on uh, a character who is a buffoon, but isn't a dislikable buffoon, and who is primarily getting across everything through that incredible rubber face of Rowan Atkinson. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. That yeah. kind of comedy, it's like, um, it's like being able to enjoy something from uh, Buster Keaton. It's, it's very mm. easy to access because it, it had to be built in such a way so that language wasn't, wasn't a barrier. Yeah, no, that's true. So we get finally, so once these guys get, uh, recaptured and prepared they still don't know exactly no one's told them why they are there um, or where they're going and so they're sent into this rocket and they seem to think they don't even realize that they're in space they think that they're in prison it's a different kind of prison but they're put in this rocket and we get um, we get proper I'm assuming this is proper stock footage of rockets launching it's not miniatures it looks like real rocket footage yeah, so yeah, we see some, we see some, them. Blast. There's some actual rocket footage and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and we see them blast off into space, and then we get the sequence, which is why this film is in this season because we do get uh, maybe of ten minutes or so of um, Franco and Ciccio actually in space. Now, what's weird, I thought, and I, obviously this is for budgetary reasons, but from just a scientific point of view, it makes no sense at all. 
in their rocket they have artificial gravity as far as <laughs> because we can tell. they're just sitting there in their seats and everything's fine nothing is floating around at all which is might maybe why they're not quite they don't realize that they're in space but then um you they discover there's quite a long relatively funny sequence where they discover all this food mm. in the in the rocket and it's all different pills and um Franco is really hungry so he's got a pill for pasta he's got another pill for olive oil and and vinegar and he's got all the uh, tomatoes he's he's making himself a full meal and he's cooking it all up is there's a pill for hot water and <laughs> and he's preparing this meal for himself just with all these pills which I thought was pretty funny but then eventually they decide to go out for a space walk and this is where we properly get to um to some, I mean, I'm going to call it sub Margariti spacewalking. I mean, considering Margariti's now made two films in space, one of which we just talked about, mm-hmm. um, with some relatively effective sequences in space. Here, well, I don't know what what. How would you describe their um, their floating around in space in this sequence? Um, I would describe it as poorly done. No, I would <laughs> describe it as. Uh, or, or I would describe it as attempted humor, which is mm. very much the the entire basis of the film. It's uh, it's it's silliness. It's um, you know just about as believable as the rest of the film. Uh, mm. The the it's it's well, first of all, it's interesting that they that you know it seems that one of the the reasons this film was built the way it was built was to get them into this sequence, and so I was. I was kind of looking forward to what they would do with this comedy duo, you know, playing around in, you know, supposed G- zero G, you know, what kind of comedy shenanigans we, they would get up to. And I have to say I was disappointed because it's just, it's not funny. There are, there are a couple of funny moments in this movie and, and them hmm. bumbling around in outer space is, I mean, it's, it's all just a visual gag that they don't seem to have anything to add to. Yeah, and did you notice, I mean, the copy of the film that we're watching, this is not a film that's currently sort of easily commercially available. So it's on YouTube, and um, we we managed to get a, a, find a copy with English subtitles. And the picture quality isn't bad, actually. It's, it's a lot yeah, it's better taken than... From, uh, it's taken from a, an Italian uh, television broadcast, I believe. Yeah, so it looks okay, but it's not pin sharp. But even in the version that we're watching, you can very clearly see the cables... That these guys are hanging on, like the the just the shooting of the sequence, they they should have at least asked Margariti for a little bit of help or somebody who'd done this before. Well, see that <laughs> when, when you're talking about that, I agree with you, and that's one of the jokes I kept waiting for them to kind of tug on, which is to to uh, kind of knowingly wink at the the audience by having one of them by by having them have to uh, uh, like adjust the cables to mm. to get to get you know to get back into the spacecraft or something like that in other words some kind of meta joke that would have uh would, that would have made all of this flailing about be more interesting and the fact that they didn't do something like that was kind of a disappointment because it's like oh, well i mean you got you know at least play with it i guess but i, I they're i guess they're they're attempting to uh and picture this in giant air quotes folks maintain the illusion so mm. <laughs> the, yeah i know yeah so meanwhile, back down on the ground, uh, mission control, they've lost contact with these guys as well. Um, and there's a lot of panic going on down there. Um, and Franco and Chicho are just sort of alone in space for a little bit. And then they, they get back into the, the space pod and eventually manage to make contact again. And um, so they are then brought back to Earth and but meanwhile, they're the wives of the original cosmonauts have turned up at um, mission headquarters, demanding to to be there for their husbands when their husbands return. So yeah, so this is where we, there's another great extended uh, opportunity for comedy. So the so our heroes come back to Earth. They're immediately bundled into a car. I think they, there's some photos taken of them. Obviously, you know, got the press, so they can see that it's supposedly. The real uh, Paradovsky and Borovin have come back, but then they're put in a car with these women, and then I'm not entirely sure where they're driven to. 
I don't think it's their house unless they no, all live together in the been, same house. It appears to be some kind of hotel room. Yeah, it's sort of like a barracks with a or something. Yeah, somewhere on a Russian base or because you've got you've got separate rooms, but then there's a joint kind of living area and a kitchen. It's like a lovely house, but they're I don't know. They're all in there anyway. But the, so the Russians just expect these guys to go back with their wives. No, you know they the women are speaking Russian. These guys are speaking Italian. The Russians don't really seem to have thought this through <laughs> about no. what they were going to do at this point. So now we get the, a lot of uh, comedy where the, the guys don't know who these women are. And initially they try and snog the wrong women and because <laughs> yes. they don't know that they're supposed to be their wives. Um, and then they, you know, they, they I have to admit, in... Adrian, the, before we go past that, I have to admit yeah. that the scene with the with the two of them attempting to figure out, well, they, they decide which one they're most attracted to, and then they make their moves. The scene where the wives are so confused because the wrong husband is attempting to kiss them. Yeah, I actually, I, I honestly, I honestly found that whole sequence pretty funny because yes. the the actresses and uh, let's give them their, let's give them their due. Uh, the comedy duo here really know how to play that effectively, and it, it's it's actually funny. Hmm. Yeah, this I think this seek this whole thing with the wives is probably the funniest bit of the film. Yes, yes. Um, there's a lot of comedy business going on in this sequence um but of course meanwhile whilst all this is going on the real borodovsky and borovin have made contact again they've just been floating around in space this whole time and they're not dead they've returned to earth the russians are trying to hold them this is it all gets a little bit um what's it called uh squirrely weird yeah well yes no, what's that film called? Is it Capricorn? Oh, Capricorn One. One, yes. You know, so they're trying to hold the real astronauts and stop them from going public. So they sort of locked them up somewhere, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. So they have to break out. Um, it's interesting the the way that the that Franco and Ciccio are playing the Russian cosmonauts. Like they look like they could just be serious actors. Franco, when he's not grimacing. And pulling that big Jerry Lewis face, mm-hmm. he just looks like a very serious, normal guy. Yeah. And I thought that was quite fun that you actually get to see him not doing comedy um, and just seeing what that would be like. But anyway, they eventually find their way to their wives, which makes me wonder whether they do all just live in the same house because they knew where to go to find them. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. And you, my God, you found a plot hole in this film. Yeah, just just the, the first one of many possibly. Um, so the wives, meanwhile, the, the wives are very puzzled by their husbands, but they put it down to space sickness, and they think that they'll they'll get back to normal eventually. And they end up in they're all in bed with the women, and that all seems fine. Um, but then, so the Russian husbands come back, and as you can imagine, this leads to a lot of running and chasing around. There are scenes where the, you know, they're they're confronting each other. There's a little bit of split screen, yeah, which is done. It's done very well, I think. Actually, the the special effects when, when they are in the same shot, mostly it's done by looking at the somebody from behind and using body doubles and so on. But there is some split screen stuff which which is pretty effective. But yeah, they end up fighting with each other, and um, the women are very confused and keep fainting. <laughs> uh, and they'd be very bewildered. The Russians turn up, um, the the Russian ministers or whoever they are, the space guys. Space, <laughs> using the, the space guys. Yeah, using the official terms. Um, they eventually come along and they grab uh, the two Sicilians to send them back to Rome. Um, whilst they... But of course... As we find out from the end of the film, maybe they've grabbed the wrong guys. Yes. Well, they have. I've just given it away. They have. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously the last joke is that Franco and Ciccio are back on the streets trying to rob buildings, but this time they're in Moscow. And um, they seem to be and, having and, just as much luck as before. Yeah, yes. so they're back, right back in, in terms of their life opportunities they're right back where they started only now they're also covered in snow and that's the end of the film <laughs> uh, yeah pleasantly oh, yeah. Bl- blissfully uh yes 
this? Mm. Because I, I don't know that... Uh, well, I'll just ask it straight out. Uh, did you enjoy watching this film? Yeah, I think I did. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay, good. I don't think... It wasn't as painful as I was expecting. Perhaps I'd braced myself for the worst. Mm. So then I was pleasantly surprised when some of it was actually pretty funny. Um, and again, just thinking of... Um, the kind of British equivalence that we had of this kind of film. There are a lot of movies like this being made in Britain in the 60s. Not only the carry-on films, but people like Norman Wisdom um, and Franco. I don't know oh, if, if Norman. Yeah. I don't know if Norman Wisdom really films have travelled across the pond. I know. In, I know of them, but I've never yeah, seen one. Yeah. I mean, like another very popular performer, and he his character is quite similar in some ways to Franco. Um, so yeah so it kind of reminded me of that so perhaps that's why i was a bit softer on the film than maybe i might otherwise have been i mean what about you would you be prepared to watch any more franco and chicho films uh in general no i wouldn't but then um i think you're right i think i had a similar experience with this movie um my curiosity factor was high. I mean, this is an early uh, Lucio Fulci film before he uh, moved into thrillers and uh, giallos and then eventually into horror pictures. Um, he He's a filmmaker I enjoy exploring the career of because you can see, uh, you can see, especially here, you can see some of the skills that he was learning and was pretty much already adept at moving mm -hmm. forward. But... Like you, I had braced myself for, uh, you know, bamboo shoots under my fingernails, essentially. <laughs> and when I discovered that th it wasn't nearly as bad as that, it was actually that there were actually moments that were pretty funny. Uh, don't get me wrong. There are long stretches that are supposed to be funny that I didn't find funny. But I'll admit that the film being in black and white gave it a certain charm to me mm. uh, because I'm an old film fan. I guess that's part of it. I'm not positive, mm -hmm. but that's probably one of the things that kept me engaged in a few areas where I would have probably been better off not being as engaged as I was. But yeah, yeah. I laughed more than a t more than a few times. Uh, I did I don't find I don't find the mugging of I I don't find the the constant facial mugging, the ridiculous takes to the camera, the insane playing to an audience, you know, the the, the breaking of the fourth wall. I not, I don't find that to be at all funny. Mm. The, and um, his constant screeching of Chicho, yeah. Chicho. I'm tempted to edit together a little compilation of those. Oh I'll, my I'll, lord, warn me if you do. I'm, if, if I do that, it's going in right now. Chicho! 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 People, there you go. people, I let me. He won't do it, so I'll apologize for him. It's it, it <laughs> oh no, a, I've done it. It's, it's a bad, it's heard. a, it's a bad idea, <laughs> in every way, shape, and form. And now they've just they've, they're recovering now. They've just heard it. <laughs> poor, but yeah, there's a lot poor, of that. Which is, I mean, I suppose that's that's kind of is that a Jerry Lewis type thing? Does he run around shouting for? whatever name dean martin's character has in that yes yes movie. yes uh yeah. he that that is a, a, an aspect of the uh, the martin and lewis films and, mm. and and indeed the 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 stage show that their personas were, were were crafted in but and like i say maybe this is just part of me being an american and and having experienced those films at a younger age they they they're a lot less grating and there's a lot less of it to my memory uh, don't get don't get me wrong. Jerry Lewis, when he struck out on his own, you know, for every uh, for every five movies Jerry Lewis made, there's one that's actually worth watching now in the 21st century. Uh, his hit his hit or miss ratio is pretty bad, but the uh, you know the, the the when they when Martin and Lewis were a team, that was Jerry Lewis's job was to be the clown, to be that you know rubber faced lunatic who you weren't absolutely sure had not been kicked in the head by a horse at a young age uh, you know he's just he's just not you know he's either not bright or not uh not swift enough on the uptake to be able to understand the situations he's placed within but this is this is kind of that at least to my experience i've i, I i'm not a I'm, I'm far from being a comedy movie expert for god's sake but this seems a, a bit dialed up to 11 
for my tastes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'm thinking because they did films in so many different genres that maybe I'll be able to work some more Franco and Chicho films into future seasons. Oh God! Yeah, how did you know? You say that so calmly, and yet it still sounds like a threat. So. I mean, they definitely did a Euro spy one. I don't know if they did a post-apocalyptic one, but I'm going to have a look. I'm willing to bet that they probably did not. <laughs> well, uh, just just really quickly, I'd like to point out that uh, an actress that I have a lot of time for is in this movie. Uh, Maria Silva uh, mm. plays Doctor Frostnik. Uh, she has a she's a, she's someone that uh, was in uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead and uh, oh, yes. at least uh, t- at least two or three she uh, Paul Nashi's films she was in Curse of the Devil and The Mummy's Revenge oh and she was also in uh, Leon Klamowski's incredible uh, film I Hate My Body which if you've still not seen seek it wow. out there's a movie that's crying out for uh, rediscovery here in the 21st century uh, mm. let me tell you yeah. but. Because uh, this this film was a was a Italian Spanish co production, mm-hmm. so that would make sense. That... Which was a bit of a surprise for me. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that the uh, this comedy duo's productions were kind of a split nationality uh, co production mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I guess m- this may be an instance where it was uh, please you know everybody wanting to get in here, all these producers wanting to get in here because it was just a gold mine. Yeah, well maybe that I mean maybe their comedy traveled quite well in Spain. Well, I think it may well, well have because, yeah. uh, to be honest, the the couple of Spanish comedies I've seen from at least from the nineteen seventies, uh, the tone is similar in that uh, nothing, you know, that there, there's absolutely no way to mistake anything in a in a Spanish or Italian comedy from what I can tell as reality. You know, there's hmm. it, there's there's not a, there's not an instance where you're going, mm, yes, I can see how uh, you would spray uh, that kind of foam all over everyone's face because you suddenly feel as if you want to try beef or just whatever insane situation they're putting themselves <laughs> in. Who knows? But um, the, 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 the cast really is working hard, I have to admit. Uh, the, mm. No matter how little I like the, the comedy mugging, the cast is at least doing a good job with what the material asks of them. And I can't complain about that. So, you know, give, yeah. give credit where credit's due. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's the, I think there are more, there are more. There's 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 there are more pluses than minuses. This is a film that again, uh, not really commercially available, and it probably should be. Um, I'm a little surprised at that, considering. Yeah. I, I look around, and it's like uh, right now. I think you can get almost every like Abbott and Costello film on Blu-ray, in mm. a huge box set, and things of that nature. And the, the, these are the kind of movies that. Uh, I would be. I'm utterly surprised that there's not some kind of huge Franco yeah. and, and Chicho, um, at least DVD box set that has been done yeah. with, with uh, you know. Uh, Although I, I would imagine that English subtitles may not be a priority on a set like that. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. But I'm just saying <laughs> that as um, um, as something that uh, would just be available in Europe at the very least, you would think mm. that there would be enough of a nostalgia interest in these kinds of things to uh to to generate that kind of a release but man I, I i guess not i wonder i wonder and this is this is a question that i have no answer to uh, i'm i'm curious as to how they are the, they as a comedy team are thought of in modern day italy or modern day europe in general um mm. in other words are they looked upon with great affection because people you know people grew up seeing this stuff on late night television or even, you know, Saturday matinees, whatever they may, you know, however they may have seen them in second, third, fourth run, you know, especially on television, are they beloved still? Or is this something that's almost completely forgotten in Europe? I'd, 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 mm. I'd be curious to know. Yeah. Well, me too. I don't, I have no idea if, if uh, anyone who's listening, if you're Italian, why not contact us and let us know uh, how Franco and Ciccio are considered today in italy it would be really interesting to to find out whether if they're considered at all yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. or just completely forgotten um yeah no that's yeah that would be interesting to to find out but i think we've probably covered everything that there is to say about operazione luna uh any final thoughts from you uh it is fascinating to see um the the beginnings the, the the things that um 
Lucio Fulci would use later in his thrillers, the 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 kinds of uh, the energy level, the ability to to cross cut the the knowledge of how to 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 make these certain you know to make sequences like uh, say the the ridiculous uh, comic chase sequence in this to make them work. The, the the fact that even here you see the beginnings of his capabilities for generating suspense even when it's 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 about to be undercut by something comedic and uh it, it's 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 some fun, it, it's fun to see these uh these early films by Lucio Fulci and that's that's my main takeaway from this is just how interesting it is to see um uh, someone who became you know a giant in the industry depending on um your your view of the genres that he became most famous for uh mm. d- to see his his beginnings and realize that they're uh not really quite so humble i mean he was uh he was making some, some he was making some big name films these were mm. considered huge hits at the time yeah absolutely i definitely recommend to anyone who doesn't have it um recommend stephen thrower's book beyond terror yes great films book. of lucio fulci which is uh very uh thorough and and gives a lot of attention actually to these early films, which I found really interesting because they're the ones that I know so little about in in terms of Fulci's overall career. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Please do get in touch with us. We are available for uh, comment for your comments. Uh, you can email us and you can tweet at us. We're also on Instagram. Um, all the links are in the show notes. Um, next time we are going to be talking about possibly the first classic film, proper classic film, uh, of the podcast. So that's something to uh, to look forward to in a couple of weeks' time. But mm. um, Rod, thank you so much for sitting through what could have been a very <laughs> painful experience and um, finding something positive to say at the other end of it. Yeah, yes, shockingly not as painful as I thought. Glad to do it. Glad to do it, Adrian. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, I think we'll leave you, before we get to the podcast theme, I'll leave you with some of Franco's singing. I'll, I'll let him sing us out with the theme <laughs> from Operazione Luna. And mm. then we will get to our own theme. And then we will uh, talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Non ti devi preoccupare, amico mio. Obbediscimi, che il resto penso io. La rapina con lo scasso, in materia sono un asso. Ti do un premio se le cose vanno lisce. Ciccio, a schifo finisce! Sopra il quale sistemare poi il bottino Se c'è un po' di vigilanza Ostentare in oncuranza O la guardia comunale si insospettisce Hai paura? Si capisce Pensa ad altro Non mi riesce Quasti tutto Mi ringresce Già mi vedo con un bel vestito a strisce Il lucchetto mi resiste il minuto presto sbrigati ho bisogno del tuo aiuto c'è una torcia dentro il sacco su collabora per pacco entreremo più furtivi delle bisce chiezza te lo dicevo io più finisci Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.